The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Well, welcome to Overland Park Community Church. What do you think? You're Gary Lezak or something trying to forecast the weather? <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, but uh, I checked the, the radar, and, and we're good, man. I'm going to get you out here um, before before things fall apart. And uh, it's uh, it's encouraging to be back in the house of the Lord today. I want to welcome you if it's your first time here. Do you ever feel like um, all you're facing is trouble? Like, just feels like things, man, what, what am I doing wrong? Why is everything falling apart all around me? It's not uncommon. Now, it, it can be the case that you're facing trouble because the Lord is trying to get your attention. That certainly is possible. I've experienced that in my own life and, and know that really that was a big thing that the Lord used to turn my life around is I faced a lot of trouble, and I know that I was in a state of rebellion against the Lord. But sometimes there's been times that, I, man, I know I'm right dead sinner in, in the middle of the Lord's will, and I like there's trouble. Like, why, is this, why am I experiencing trouble in all these different areas of my life? Um, and so it's not uncommon to be in the center of the Lord's feel and, uh, or will and feel like things are, are falling apart. And that's what we see happen with David after he rises quickly. So you just stop and think about, man, what happened in David's life? Well, he is, uh, he's a nobody. He's a shepherd boy taking care of sheep for his father. And wasn't even called to the dinner table when this significant ceremony was taking place when the prophet said that he was coming to Jesse's house to choose um, the next king of Israel, David wasn't even invited to the party. And so that's how insignificant he was in this particular family even. And so we know that um, uh, he, is, he is called and, and he is chosen to be the next king. We know that um, he has this experience where um, or he is facing this giant because nobody else would face the giant. He sees the giant, Goliath, um, opposing the Lord calling out blasphemies, and what does he do? He steps into the midst of the battle, and because of that victory, man, he rose to fame quickly. Like, everybody knew who David was. He went from nobody to somebody, um, and then he was not the king, but he was the chosen king. No one else knew that, but he and his own family and Samuel, but he was carrying around this promise that God had chose him to succeed King Saul, the first king of Israel, and that he would one day um, was supposedly going to lead the nation of Israel. And so all of these incredible things happen. Um, then he moves to the king's palace. The king calls him into service, and he goes into full-time service, moves into the king's palace, becomes best friends with the prince. Jonathan is his best friend. Marries the king's daughter, Michael. Becomes the king's bodyguard. Starts leading all of these missions, and they're successful, man. They're Philistines, and the Lord is using this guy. It's like it says, wherever his hand touched, whatever he found to touch, he was successful. And so he's like got all this movement going on in his life. And then all of a sudden, the king feels threatened by him. And the king knows because the king is like, King Saul knows he's been rejected as king. He knows he's been disobedient. He is operating totally from the power of the flesh. And so he starts trying, like he at one particular point, he throws a spear at David. This happens a couple of times. And so we learned that in um, this whole event that Jonathan would find out was, did the king really, was he really going to harm David? And, and Jonathan found out that, yeah, his dad, man, his dad was anti-David. 
And so he goes from this place of like prominence and, and leadership and power and, and like, like things are going good in his life. And he's following the Lord, man. That's how he got there. He was following the Lord. He got to this place of incredible success. And then he loses his home, his wife, his best friend, and his leadership position all in a day. Like, what is going on, man? Like, I'm, I'm feeling that he's got to be thinking, and everything's falling apart around me. And so when we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 21, that's exactly what's going on in David's life. Is he's had a moment of incredible victory up on top of the mountain, and now he's going through the valley. And man, I'll tell you that as you're following the Lord and you're yielding to him, my life has been like that. There's been moments I'm on top of the mountain and moments when I'm down in the valley. And I often tell people when they're going through that period of the valley, is you have to remember, yeah, man, it feels tough right now. But when you get up on top of the mountain, there's a certain point that you move beyond the tree line and nothing grows up there. And you're just looking down in the valley and everything is lush and beautiful and green in the valley. And down in the valley is where things grow. And so sometimes it's good for us to face trouble because we grow like spiritually. We grow in our character. Um, the, the Bible tells us to consider it all joy. <laughs> consider it all joy when you face trials. What? That's what it says, man. Because it, it brings about perseverance. It brings about development in our lives. And so Trouble is not an indication always that, that we are displeasing to the Lord. As a matter of fact, sometimes trouble is, is thrown at us and it will reveal how pleasing to the Lord we are as he brings us through it. And so David is entering into this period where he's having to flee from the very king who's leading the kingdom that God told him that he would be the leader of. And that's what's going on in his life. And so in this moment in chapter 21, we see him running and fleeing for his life. And, and so just turn to that chapter of 1 Samuel, if you will, with me. And we're just going to read through it. And I'm going to give you a few takeaways of like, how do you, what are you supposed to do in response to trouble? How are we supposed to respond? What's a good way for us to respond when things start to... Like, what do we do? Well, we see David. We'll see what he does. And I think it's a good uh, call for us. David went to Nob. Um, to Ahimelech. Nob was a town not far away, about three miles away from where uh, the kingdom was located. So he says, um, to Ahimelech, the priest, and Ahimelech trembled when he met him, and he asked, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? And David answered, Ahimelech, the priest, the king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, no one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I've told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. And so he's fleeing. He has nothing. He had to leave in haste. And the priest answered, David, I, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. And if you remember, if you're studying the New Testament, the Pharisees, man, very legalistic group, they get on to Jesus and the disciples about um, eating grains out of the field as they're walking through the field. They, they pluck some of the grains, they eat them, and, and on the Sabbath, and, and man, they, they get on Jesus about that, and Jesus refers to this about David. And he says, listen, th there's a time that um, when, when someone's life is, is um, uh, like in the, in the balance and there's a need, sometimes that ceremonial tradition, like love ele is elevated over that. And so he says, yeah, I've, I've got some consecrated bread here. 
um, if, if the men have kept themselves, from, kept themselves from women. And David replied, indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. The men's things are holy even on missions that are not holy. And, and that, that when it says the men's things, it's really the, the word behind that is their bodies, like they're holy even when the mission is not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. And so in most circumstances, the only people that could eat that were the priests. It was reserved for the Levites, but in this circumstance, it was given uh, to David. And so now one of Saul's servants was there that day. He was detained before the Lord, which meant he had done something wrong, and he had to stay there to kind of go through the cleansing and purification to be Right, and so he was Doeg the Edom, and he was Saul's head shepherd. And David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? <laughs> and so uh, he says, I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's business was urgent. And the priest replied, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. So like he's, getting, he's got some food now. He's got a weapon, and he's on his way out. So he went to the priest, went to the house of God, went to the sanctuary, sought the priest's help, got the help that he needed. And Doeg, this guy we'll see uh, next week. Um, he's a bad dude, but, but we'll see him show back up in the picture. And then he flees. He doesn't know where to go. Like where's he going to go because the king is after him. And so he flees to the Philistines. He goes into the Philistine territory. And there's a, this, man, there's this really crazy thing that happens next. It says, that, David, that day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands? And David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Kish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. I mean, that's a bad day in your life when you've got there, okay? Like the beard for these dudes, like I shaved my beard off. I'm going to grow it back. Don't y'all worry. I just got bored on Thanksgiving. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Corey said, uh, he said to me, he said, man, he said, it's one of the first times my beard has been longer than yours. I said, well, don't worry. Next week, mine will be longer than yours. <laughs> <No kidding. laughs> anyway, so, uh, so anyway, uh, the beard was like, man, the beard in this day and age, like, it was really, it was a big deal for these guys. It's with beards, man. And so like, you didn't get anything on the beard. The beard was kind of a sacred thing. And so for those of you, man, who have bigger beards and you're eating some toast or something, you get some jelly on it. Get that stuff off of there, man. It's the secret thing of the Lord, and it drives the person you're eating with nuts, okay? So keep that beard cleaned if you have a long one. No theology in that whatsoever. <laughs> but so this is, man, this is where he's at, man. He's, he's so afraid that he's, he's, he's pretending to be insane. And so um, Akish says to his servants, and this is kind of funny, Look at the man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? 
And so there's a whole lot going on uh, in this story. I think, I look at that, I think Ahimelech is, pro- is probably trying to provide David a little cover because he, he brings him into his house a little bit later, and I think all the other guys want to do away with him. But nonetheless, we see that David has kind of fallen on hard times. He's in a desperate situation, and we, and we see some things here that I think are healthy for us to respond like David did. The insanity one, I don't think, is a healthy one. I'm not sure about that. I think he was just kind of using some strategy uh, to spare his life. But you know what's ironic about that is David is sane and is pretending to be insane while King Saul is insane and trying to appear to be sane. And the more, like the more we get into this story and see the fall of Saul, man, he totally loses his mind and just goes AWOL um, as he continues to rebel against uh, the plan of God. And so when I look at this and I see, man, what are, what are a few things that David did in this story when he was facing trouble that we can look at and go, man, when I face trouble in my life, things don't go my way. Things start to fall apart. I lose my job or I don't, I don't make um, a particular place. Like you may be a student trying to achieve something. You're trying to, uh, faith is always trying out for plays. What happens if you don't get to play? What happens if you don't make team? What happens if you don't get to start? What happens if you, you, know, you lose your position at work or lose your job altogether? What happens when you lose someone in, in your life? All these things like trouble, we can experience trouble in, in a multi different ways. And so here's, here's a few things. First of all, we see with David, seek the Lord. That's what he did. David went to the sanctuary and sought the Lord. And we know that he was seeking more than provision, more than food, and more than the weapons because um, it says in the next chapter, we'll learn next week, that, that Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him. And man, he did, like David is trying to figure out, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And he goes out and he seeks some godly counsel. And so um, it's a great comfort to know that when, things, when we feel like things are falling apart around us, we have a God to go to. So when you feel that way, go to the Lord and seek him. And sometimes it can feel, you can such a panic. According to how severe the experience that you're going through is, sometimes you can't, like you don't know how to do that. Sometimes you're just like, man, I don't know what to say to the Lord. And sometimes that's what you say is, Lord, I don't know what to say. I need help. Um, the, the scripture teaches us, I mean, some guys have been reading through Romans, and, and, and one of the things it says is the Spirit intercedes for us with deep groanings and sometimes words that are inexpressible. We can't even find the words to express it, but the Lord knows He is in us and He knows what we're trying to communicate. So sometimes you, you can say to the Lord, I don't even know what to say, Lord. I'm, I'm so like caught up in this moment and emotionally I, I can't think straight. And sometimes that's the way I talk to the Lord. It's, Lord, man, I'm just kind of confused in, inside. I need you to help bring some clarity to this moment. And in those times, I think it's very important. That I like this about David because David really knew how to seek the Lord on his own. We know that. Like we know David didn't need a priest to seek the Lord. But I think in this indication, that's where he went to because he didn't know where else to go. And so he's seeking out some godly counsel. So when you're facing trouble, it's good to come around another believer, whether it be a pastor or just a believer who you know is walking with the Lord, who you know they know how to sit with the Lord, they know how to be in the Word, they know how to pray, and go, go talk to them. And just open up your heart and seek the Lord even through another person when you're going through a difficult time. And I have found that to be an incredible benefit when I'm facing trouble, is to find another brother or sister that I can just open up and talk to. <laughs> It's not uncommon for me to call Shay 
and say, he's like, hey, how's it going, bro? And I just say, man, I just am discouraged. And his, you know what his response will often be? Me too, man. <laughs> and, so, and so we kind of work each other through those moments. And so that's a good thing to do is to open up and seek the Lord sometimes through uh, another person. And that's what I see David did. Here's the second thing. You may feel alone, so remember you are not. Like, man, when you go through trouble, it can be a thing to where you just feel alone. Ahimelech asked him, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? And Ahimelech asked that question because he's used to seeing this guy with a royal party around him, and all of a sudden, he is not with him. And he can probably tell that David was not in his normal form and character, that there was a little bit of panic going on with him as he's trying to figure out this uncertainty. And so he recognized that, and that probably further made David feel alone. He had gone from being the courted one day to the deserted the next. Now, it's fascinating to me when we study David's life, we see so many parallels with him and Christ. We see that Christ is all, he's got all these people around him, and then the next thing you know, nobody's around him. Peter, all of them, they run and they flee. And the scripture says that that's what would happen. And so over and over, we see incredible things like there are parallels that happen between David and Christ. And that's a typology we see in the New Testament that's always fascinating to me. But, but, but we have to remind ourselves when we're going through trouble, is we, have, we must be reminded that we are not alone. It's, it was true for David and it's true for us. Like, man, when we, when we understand and we come to the clarity, and, and some people, like, we have to understand that not everybody has come to this place in life. That when we come to a place where we know and understand what it means to be born again, what does that mean? That means I've come to a place in my life, we sing these songs, where we come to a, a, a real place of, of understanding that um, Jesus conquered death and hell on the cross of Calvary. And the cross is just a powerful thing for us to be reminded of that shifts us and changes us uh, from where we were at. And, it, and, and like the, all of the world doesn't understand that. And I think we have to be reminded that we are not alone because God is in us. And we are never alone in the Holy Spirit. Like we sing, we sang that song this morning. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. Like, that three-in-one God is in me. I am indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and I am never alone. Not only am I not alone because the Lord is in me, I am not alone because I have other believers around me. And I have to be reminded of that when I'm going through trouble because the enemy will tell me I'm alone. Remember last week when we were doing the vision sermon, and I told you, I said, you know, one of the things we spent some time on when I was launching that sermon is, Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. They listen and they follow me. A stranger, he said in John chapter 10, they will not listen to. A stranger, they will not listen to. As a matter of fact, they flee from it. What is that stranger's voice? It is the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. There is an enemy that is always out to destroy the life of Christ in you. And that's where your freedom is at. And so there's always this voice speaking out to you, and especially in the midst of trouble, see, you're alone. You're by yourself. No one is with you. Things aren't that great. If God did really exist, this wouldn't have happened to you. He's whispering. And that is a voice that we are to flee from. 
and to be reminded of the truth that because of the cross of Calvary, I am not alone. That cross was, was planted in the heart of the earth, and upon that moment when Jesus said to Telestai, it is finished, then I was purchased everything that needed to happen in order for me to be purchased and to be in a right relationship with the God of the universe took place on that day. And I am never alone because of that. Um, though the entire world may leave me, will never be alone because Christ is in me. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so I must constantly be reminded of that when I go through difficult times. And I think sometimes if we turn in the right direction as the Lord has called us to, it's easier for us to be reminded of that during times of trouble. The scripture says we are never more like him than when we sh- like him than when we share in his sufferings. Now, I don't like to suffer. <laughs> There's nothing like, oh man, gonna bring on the suffering. I'll take a load of that. I could never do that in my life, but I can tell you in all the points in my life when I've had the greatest amount of suffering, I felt the closest to the Lord. Like, I'm not, there's just an awareness of where the Lord is at. And so, like, when we go through trouble, we have to be reminded that we are, are, are not alone. The Lord is with us. And then the next thing I see, is, um, and that we must be reminded of when we face trouble, is your mission is holy because you are holy. Like, as I talk about when we follow the Lord, our mission is holy because we are. Why am I holy? Is it because I'm a pastor of a church, or is it because I get my tithe, or is it because I, I, I help poor people if I see a and the Lord like tells me to do that. Is that why I'm holy? No, that's not why I'm holy. I'm holy because He is holy. And I have the holiness and righteousness of Christ imparted upon me. And that's what makes me different than a person who is not a believer. They are not holy. They are not righteous. They, they are not looked upon by the God of the universe and said, look at this holy creature down here. God looks at me. He says, look at this holy creature. So I'd appreciate it if you guys would look at me that way too. <laughs> and, and it's not based on what I did. It's based upon everything that the Lord has done. And that's why it is called a free gift, the gift of God that must be received by the believer. And so it's a, it's a very encouraging thing to, for me to be reminded that my mission, therefore, is holy because I am holy and God has called me into a, a, a purpose that only I can fulfill. And so the, God, the Lord of the universe has called each one of us into that purpose. And, and sometimes when we're trying to fulfill that purpose that the Lord has called us into, uh, we can go through trouble and we must be reminded that as followers of Jesus, we belong to, to him. And in the midst of that, we can expect his provision. Now, I love this part, this next one. When we're going through trouble, look for reminders of the Lord's faithfulness. And so, like he flees in haste. He has no weapon. And he asks for a weapon. And Ahimelech says, yeah, there's one sword here. And where did the sword come from? The previous battle that you won, David. Like the Lord used you, David. The, Lord, the Lord's hand is upon your life. Never forget, David, all of those memories that the Lord has used you. Remember the lion? Remember the bear? Remember the slingshot? Remember when you were not proved to use a sword? You only used a sling, and then the first sword you ever used was this sword to cut off the head of the giant, David? You remember that? 
That's what the Lord was doing in David's life as he received Goliath's sword. It reminded him of the Lord's faithfulness to him. So who he was and, and, and why he would per persevere in the midst of tr trouble was because he knew the Lord. And that's what's going on as he received that sword. And, and this is another cool thing. is why was the sword there in the first place? Because David had given it to the kingdom. And so, like, what I'm reminded of in this moment is that what we give to the kingdom is never forgotten by the king. And when we go through times of need and the Lord needs to supply something, I think our faithfulness is always remembered by the Lord. And, and while David went through this experience, like, he was reminded that the Lord is with him. Now, so we know that David wrote a lot of songs. And so one of the songs that David wrote when he was going through this experience was Psalm chapter 34. He also penned Psalm chapter 55. And so to like land us today, I want us to look at that Psalm. Now I'm not gonna preach through the Psalm, but we're gonna read it because it is a good Psalm. So write down, like if, write down in the, take of the front of your Bible, man, just go to that blank page and just write, when I'm in trouble, read Psalm 34. Okay, so you will be reminded that when the day of trouble hits you, you got a place to go. But in Psalm 34, this is what we learn. It says, so he's going, and it starts, it says, of David, when he pretended to be insane before Ahimelech, who drove him away, and he left, and he realized he was all by himself. This is what he wrote. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved me out of all his, I saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Do you believe that? Like, do you believe when you face trouble that the angel of the Lord encamps around your soul and delivers you? Or do you freak out? Like, this is the truth that we apply to our lives, is the angel of the Lord encamps around my soul, and when I go through trouble, I am not alone, and I must be reminded that I seek the Lord, and the angel of the Lord encamps around my soul, and I'm going to extol him in the midst of my trouble because I believe that that is true. And then he says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Have you ever tasted the Lord? Like, do you know what it is to consume the Lord? Like to taste and see that the Lord is good? Because if you ever taste and see that the Lord is good, there is nothing else in your life that will satisfy. It doesn't matter how much rebellion you seek to achieve satisfaction in your life. If you have ever tasted the Lord, if you have ever tasted the Lord, you know he is good, and nothing else in your life will ever satisfy. It doesn't matter how much you pursue it. And so he's telling us that. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. 
Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord are against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. What is David doing in this? Why does he keep talking about righteousness and evil? Because he's reminding himself of who God is and who he is. I can see him holding the staff of Goliath, hiding out in a cave, or the sword of Goliath, hiding out in a cave somewhere, feeling all alone, and the enemy whispering to him, you're a loser. I know you, that the Lord said you were going to be king, and Samuel said that, but that's not going to happen. And he looks at the sword, and he just starts to write this stuff, and he's reminding himself that the Lord is the one who said this, and the Lord is the one who will bring it about. And even though Saul is participating in evil, the Lord will deal with that, and I don't need to worry about it. And so he says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Man, I know that one, bro. I know that one. Like when you are brokenhearted, the Lord is close, man. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I can testify to you today that he saves those. He's close to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in their spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. And I'm reminded of there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I read that and I go, whoa, man. Like, look at all of this that the Lord is, is giving to us through the life of David as he faced trouble. And so as you face trouble, and you will face trouble, do seek the Lord. Remember, you are not alone. Your mission is holy because you are holy Look for reminders of the Lord's faithfulness, and the big idea is trust the Lord. I just trust the Lord in the midst of the trouble. I, I won't take time to read Psalm 55, which is the second one he wrote, but verse 23, he ends it, and he says, but as for me, I trust in you. And so like, man, don't, don't uh, when you face trouble, don't always look at trouble as, man, the Lord is, he's punishing me. No, man, sometimes the Lord is just growing us, and, and the, the world is a fallen place. The world is messed up. And just because we are redeemed by the cross of Calvary doesn't mean that the curse of the fall has been lifted. Like, we still live in a fallen world. We still face death. The sting of death has been taken away because it is not eternal for us. We will not eternally be separated from the Lord, but we face death. We face disease. We face hardships. And so we must be reminded that when we face trouble, the Lord is near. He draws near to us, and, and we are not alone. He understands when our spirits and our hearts are broken. And so I look to the Lord, and I go, man, when I'm facing trouble, um, I just like look to him and go, Lord, like, I'm just going to praise you in this moment. You know, sometimes like I, I talk to the Lord and I might say, Lord, like I'm broken. Like I got nothing left. And, uh, and my heart might be pierced and I may be in a place where I'm just crushed in my spirit. 
And those are the moments, man, where I feel like um, I feel alive. Like, I, I'm reminded of when my dad passed away and I was doing the service and I had to put together the, I had to put together the, the slideshow of pictures. I mean, I was going through all these pictures and I'd see pictures of my dad when my, my brothers and my dad with me and my dad with my kids and, and it was just hard and just grieving in that moment. And uh, like the Lord like used that. Like he stepped into that moment with me. And this really cool thing happened for me while I was doing that, as difficult as it was, is I was seeing these pictures of my dad when he was like in his 20s, early 20s. And I felt like I was getting to know a side of my dad that I never knew. And so this really difficult time of trouble became this really special time with me and the Lord and my dad, though my dad had already gone over to the other side. Um, I, like, I, I just felt alive in that moment, but it was a hard moment. Many of you know my brother passed away in 2013, and he took his life, and I had to do his funeral. <laughs> like, whew, that was a tough one. Like, it was hard. It was trouble. And I was like, how do I do this, Lord? And, man, like, I, I, I can't articulate what happened to me in that moment. Like, the Lord, like, showed up and gave a word, and it was crystal clear, and I had no energy, I had no strength, and he just used me to minister to people. And I can remember, man, I can remember just, boy, I was so broken. I was so angry. All these emotions were going through me. But as I sought the Lord in the midst of that, I, I was so alive. Now, there have been some fantastic moments in my life where I felt like I have conquered giants. But I can't even recall one of them right now. <laughs> like, I can't even, like, I know they were good. I know they were, it was a blast while I was riding through them. But these other times, man, they are like golden for me. I've been I share an experience that is probably one of the most painful experiences that two humans could share. We never wish it upon another person. And we would never trade it for anything. Because it is just like what, what it has done for us and the Lord and what it has done for us, just husband and wife. It's just been amazing. And so don't be of trouble. Not alone. Like the Lord in it. And he will take you on a journey that one day you will look back on and go, that was one of the sweetest moments in my life that I had with the Lord.
Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.